The Courage to Lead, episode 105. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Arlen here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having a phenomenal week. Um, I'm certainly having a great week, and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Stacy Ruth. Stacy Ruth is unstoppable. She's the founder of two multi-million dollar agencies, an acclaimed marketer, entrepreneur, and award-winning author. She's been among the top 50 entrepreneurs under 50 in Atlanta and twice awarded top 100 IT agencies by experiential marketer all before the age of 40. Stacy's walked on fire, both literally and metaphorically. As a novice entrepreneur, she made nearly every business decision mistake possible and still managed to thrive. Her businesses have survived personal challenges, the fallout of 9-11, deep recessions, and her own battle with imposter syndrome. Today, she coaches other women CEOs and executives on how to grow their influence and impact with confidence and clarity. Her second book, Own Your Own Shift, is available now on Amazon. Stacy, welcome to the show. Thank you. I love the work you're doing. Glad oh, to no, be no. here. I'm I'm excited to to talk to you and stuff. I've, I've your website is phenomenal. I don't know if you did that yourself or had it created, but love your website. It's got so much great information. Yes, on, on, stuff. on both fronts. Yes. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> well, I definitely. I mean, I want to talk about um, first of all the the personal challenges that kind of got you to where you are now. I yeah. read about some of those on the website. Talk about. Uh, uh, the imposter syndrome, because that's something I have struggled with. And I know other people probably do. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point we'll, we'll turn to courage and leadership. Okay? Yeah. But before we get started, I have 10 questions to ask you. Um, Let's do it. These are questions made famous on the TV show inside the actor's studio where host mm-hmm. James Lipton asks these questions of his guests, uh, Hollywood stars from TV, film, and stage. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So, Absolutely. All right. So if you're ready, Stacy, questions. Number one, what is your favorite word? Well, I have a variety of favorite words. Right now, my favorite word is kerfuffle. Okay. It's an actual word. And it's all about uh, dealing with the mess, the uproar, the drama, the spinning. Kerfuffle. A lot of kerfuffle. Yes, absolutely. All right. Question two, what is your least favorite word? My least favorite word, mm, goodness gracious, uh, I, I think it's uh, the phrase um, in the end. So the it's end. it's not one word. In the end, there is oh. no end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what turns you on? Oh, creativity, curiosity. They light me up. Nice. What turns you off? Uh, I would say uh, routine uh, or uh, distraction, avoiding those those sorts of activities. Mm-hmm. Okay. What sound or noise do you love? Running water. Oh, okay. And what sound or noise do you hate? <laughs> Somebody chewing on ice. So it's all water related, but it's different. Absolutely. All right. Question seven. What is your favorite curse word? It's the F word, but not the one you think. 
most people don't call this a curse word. It's fear. Very good. Still a four-letter word, right? Still a four-letter word. Absolutely. All right. Uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Mm. Oh, my goodness. I, you know, I love what I do so much. Um, but every once in a while, I'd like to play at being an admin. That would be so much fun for me. Okay. All right. Uh, what profession would you not like to do? Uh, I, I don't really want to be a professional musician. Okay. I'd rather be in the audience. Yeah. Enjoying it. All right. Finally, question 10. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Welcome home. Welcome home. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about how you got your start, uh, some of the things you've done, accomplishments and everything like mm -hmm. that, and talk a little bit about uh, courage and leadership. Okay. Sounds great. All right. We will talk about that and more right after this. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. All right, and I am back with my guest, Stacy Ruth. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. I'm excited to have you here. Um, so tell me, how did you get started? You didn't start off as being a, a business guru and a CEO, <laughs> right? Whisper, right? Absolutely. No, I mean, uh, I, I started uh, it way back, you know, several decades ago um, as a graphic designer. Mm -hmm. And I got into graphic design right at the outset of computer generated graphics. Okay. And I wanted to be an animator for Disney Studios. Ah, nice. Nice. So. But then your paths change. Absolutely. And well, actually, I would say it, it expanded okay. because I went from graphic design to art direction, to creative direction, to running my own agency. So uh, it was at that point that I actually leaned into something that I'd always wanted to do. And I'd been doing when I was much younger, which was also developing the content, not just the, the pictures. So communicating at all levels is really key for me. Very cool. Very cool. And some awards around the Atlanta area here. A few. Yes, indeed. Very cool. Good job. But you, you say on your website that you were feeling success or mm -hmm. you were successful, but not really feeling it. It wasn't, I guess, right. what, filling you up the way? Yeah, it was, it was external. So, you know, you get all these wonderful awards. Uh, I, I like to talk about it as I was high achieving. Right. So I got all of the external validation. I got all the, you know, the money, the prestige, all of those wonderful things. And I got to work with some really incredible people. And I was not doing that from a place of inner fulfillment. I was doing it from 
this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what success is supposed to look like. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with that. Certainly the ones I talk to. Yeah. And a lot of times that can be the impetus for going out and starting their own thing, right? You work for a company, you've achieved everything you can within that company, the success, the money, you know, but it's like, you go home feeling empty. It's like, what did I really do today? That was really worthwhile and really made an impact. And, you know, you could job hop, you can start your own business. And if you haven't done the work and it is work, It's not just going to happen to understand what it is that does light you up from the inside. Then wherever you go, there you are. And that lack of fulfillment will stay. Yeah. So what was it? uh, You reached that that turning point. What was it Mm -hmm. that you wanted to feel the fulfillment in? What what, was it a certain area, certain things you wanted to kind of focus your, your attention on? Well, when I uh, had gone as far as I could go without fully breaking my physical body. And that, that's, that's what happens when we're driven yeah. without fulfillment uh, is, is we will run into the levels of stress and overwhelm just like I did mm-hmm. where I was racing against my body, trying to push it to go farther, stay up later, do more without ever stopping to say, why am I doing this? Um, Then what I really was able to do is take a step back. And uh, that's when I I started looking at my own inner inner dynamics. Uh, I looked not just at my mental and emotional well-being. I also looked at my spiritual well-being. And that can be a dirty word to some people. They're like, no, no, no. We're not going to talk about spirituality and business. They don't belong together. What are you doing? That's like putting your peanut butter with my chocolate. Don't do that. And in fact, everything is spiritual, and I don't mean religious. Everything is about meaning. Everything is about purpose. Everything is about our values. And that's what really shifted for me. And then I wanted to help bring that into the world. Nice. And so when did you start your own business? Well, I started my first business right at the beginning of the internet in 1997. So that was a, a much, I believe, actually, a much easier time to start a business because it wasn't as noisy. There wasn't as much com- competition for everybody's attention on social media, in your email, all of that. It was it there was there was room to get out and connect with people one on one, and I think that's the most powerful way to grow a business. Yeah, and then from there, mm-hmm. Stacy Ruth says. <laughs> Well, I, 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 had, I had a good uh, almost 30 years of running the agencies. Uh, I was traveling 250 days out of the wow. year. And uh, I mean, I had all kinds of fun stuff, weight gain, hair loss, headaches, all the good stuff, right? And so when I sold my shares in the last agency and started, uh, Stacy Ruth says, and also because, you know, I don't want to do just one thing, inside out marketing. Um, I was able to really start uh, kind of handpicking who I got to work with. And they started asking me, will you, and they said coach, I think they really meant consult, but will you coach me on how to grow my business? Um, You know, they, they'd seen what I'd done and, and they wanted to do it too. And so uh, because they were asking me to coach, I went ahead and got my coaching certification and uh, haven't looked back. It's been incredible. Yeah. 
it's neat. I, I was a management consultant for 25 years. Mm-hmm. So on an airplane every Monday and every Friday flying oh. to different client sites. And I just got tired. I said, you know, I, I want to mm-hmm. stay home a little bit. And I want to work with people. The, the right. aspect that I enjoyed the most was working with the executives to help them become mm-hmm. better leaders, better decision makers, better communicators, things like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of times on those big projects, you didn't get to see the end result. Working with right. the, the individuals now, one-to-one, you really get to see the lights come on. You get to see the yes. decisions they're making and how it changes. Yeah, that's huge. Absolutely. And you know, I wish I had had someone coaching me, someone in my corner, someone there to, you know, bounce ideas off of uh, that. I I felt like uh, I wasn't in any way in competition with uh, that was just there to help me perform at at better levels and make better decisions. Uh, So that it's kind of, it's paying it backwards a little bit, if you will, just a little bit (laughs) forwards and backwards. Right. But with the executives you work with, what do they, what do they struggle with most? Oh my gosh. Uh, the number one is overwhelm. Um, and a lot of that is connected to the, the work environment that they're in, especially if they're an executive. Um, it's, it's a little trickier if they're an entrepreneur, a CEO, a founder, because we are the source of our own overwhelm. Sure. Um, and then the other one that I see a lot of them really uh, bumping up against is uh, clarity, the ability to make more effective, uh, faster, more accurate decisions, uh, and not get uh, stuck in the decision process because you know we're we're here trying to grow. Yeah, but you have to have some structure around a lot of that decision making. I'm working with a client right now mm-hmm. where we're putting together their job role descriptions for all their employees as they're growing, they're having to take on more and more HR type responsibilities, right? So to have those Mm -hmm. job role descriptions as a entry level, this is what we expect as a mid-level, this is what we expect as a senior level. And when you have those expectations and talk to the employee about those expectations, it's a lot easier to have those conversations about you're not meeting this. You're not achieving this. We need you to do X. Um, My wife said, uh, I get a lot of good quotes from my wife every (laughs) She says that you don't have to have a confrontation if you have a conversation about an expectation. Oh, that is so true. It takes away a lot Mm -hmm. of that argument, right? It's like, no, you know Mm -hmm. what the expectation is. You haven't met it. Right. And, you know, it's interesting to me, and and this is almost like a a cultural uh, challenge that we have, is we're not having conversations teaching conversations with people who are really excellent at their work and who are really excellent at managing other people about the difference between managing and leading. So we're not training people to be leaders. And so as they grow into the leadership, a lot of my clients have felt kind of thrown to the wolves, if you will, and, and they don't understand what's happened. They, they grew to a certain level and then the company stopped investing in their training. You're supposed yeah. to figure this out on your own. Exactly. Yeah. And you're left out there. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if you know, you're used to, like you said, managing schedules, mm-hmm. managing production, right. things like that. At a certain point, that's not enough. Right. right? You can right. manage those employees right out the door. You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, managers 
deal with complexity, right? We bring order, we bring productivity, we bring processes and plans, right? We put it into action. But leaders manage change. We're strategic. We're the visionaries. We're going to get people motivated and on board and moving along, right? And and that, that we're, we have a gap. We're not yeah. teaching that. Definitely. And that is a tough transition from that, the tactical level to the strategic level. That's hard. Absolutely. I'm working with, uh, I had one client that he went from being a buddy yeah. to a boss. And right. that's a hard transition because uh, a lot of times the buddies just expect, oh, you're, you'll let me get away with this. It's like, now mm-hmm. you're the boss. Now you have to stand up. You have to make these hard decisions, have the difficult mm-hmm. conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also one of the key problems that a lot of my clients deal with. And, and what you're describing there is a potential uh, inception or inflection point of creating imposter syndrome, mm. which is where we feel like we are out of our element. We don't belong there. And if you've been the buddy and you're moving into a place where you're now going to tell people who were your peers what you are wanting them to do and move forward with, then we can create a problem. It's actually a diversity and inclusion issue, imposter syndrome. Imposter is, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if, if we're not recognizing the positions that we put people in where they're, you know, first only different in their group, then, um, you know, we're not, we're not creating that uh, transition uh, success scenario for them. Yeah. And everybody suffers from imposter syndrome at some point or another. I know I have, <laughs> I've been in meetings where I walk in and say, what am I doing here? Why am I even at this table? Right? Well, I think everyone suffers from self-doubt. Mm-hmm. Not everyone takes it to the level of imposter syndrome. Okay. Um, and a lot of people do confuse the two. Um, but imposter syndrome is uh, really for the underrepresented communities. I'm the first only different. And, and we look in the mirror and we say, I don't belong here. I, I, I am out of my place Mm. and I'm having to pretend to be something I'm not in order to succeed here. And they're going to find me out. Mm. It's, it's a, it's a very um, difficult uh, thought process to break. And it does require business owners, leaders, executives to be aware of where it can be created in their teams. Wow. Not I never really themselves. thought about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. never really thought about it as a, mm-hmm. a diversity issue. Yeah. And, you know, if, if this resonates with some of your audience um, on my website, and I'm sure we can add a link, sure. uh, I have an imposter syndrome workbook where you can self-evaluate if you're dealing with it. And then there's a lot of ways to break through it yourself, nice. um, especially if you're a solopreneur. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's that's awesome. Yeah, because I know, like you said, there. Yes, everybody struggles with, you know, self-doubt. do I have yeah the self doubt? Mm. Do I really have this? Do I really understand this as as well mm-hmm. as everybody else? Yeah, mm. and that's natural. Yeah. Anytime we're trying something new, we're going to experience some self doubt. Sure. You know, every time the first time you step on the stage and speak, the first time you tied your shoes, the first time you rode your bike, the first time you dove in the deep end of the pool, you're going to have some self doubt. Yeah. Right. We but we can work through that. Yeah. So how do you work through something like the imposter syndrome? First of all, you have to understand that that's what it is, right? Absolutely. Self-awareness is the absolute first 
best thing to recognize, oh, this is what I'm dealing with. And the second thing to realize is it's not your fault because we tend to, oh, there's something wrong with me. How could I feel this way? And it it is something that is actually created in our society um, because we are excluding certain groups. And then when someone comes in who doesn't, you know, which one of these is not like the others, uh, we, we tend to pick that up. Um, and a, a really great way to work through it um, is to have the opportunity to be empathetic and serve others. And, uh, you know, we, we don't think about how getting out of ourselves can actually help us with what's going on inside of ourselves. Absolutely. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause that's one of the, the types of courage we talk about on the podcast, right? There's different types of courage we have to tap into um, during our, our normal lives and also in business intellectual courage, the courage to, to set aside your long-held beliefs and the knowledge that you have to make room for new knowledge because there's always mm-hmm. new things coming in. The empathetic courage to be able to set aside your feelings mm-hmm. to be aware of the feelings of the people around you and you're dealing with, right? There's yes. moral courage, there's social courage, um, a lot of these different things. What, As far as empathetic courage, mm-hmm. how do you help your leaders to get better at, at feeling that empathy and that empathetic <laughs> courage? I love that. Um, I I think that the majority of uh, the folks that I'm working with, the first best place to develop empathy is for ourselves. We we are carrying around so much self-judgment, self-criticism on our inside, uh, that that judge that Mm -hmm. that is always telling us do more, you're not doing enough, you're not doing it right, you know, all of those sorts of things that if I can have empathy for myself, you know, uh, that I'm much more able, my well is full, I'm much more able to be empathetic for others, I can be still I'm not so worried, you know, I can listen fully 100%. Right? Yeah. But yeah, being Yeah, that is true. Because that judge always in the background kind of pointing out, look, there you go again. Yeah. You screwed this up. You did this, you did that, or you're yeah. not good enough to do this. Yeah. 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 And, and I will add, I will add the second place that we focus is on being curious because we tend to assume that we know what's going on with the other person. And rather than doing that, being able to ask yeah. what's going on with you. Yeah. But that's one of those dangerous conversations. You know, if you say something about attendance, all right. If you happen to talk to somebody about attendance, they've probably had that conversation before. They know what's coming. You've had that conversation mm-hmm. before. You know how the script goes. But when you ask somebody, <laughs> how, are, how are you doing? That mm-hmm. leaves it open to all kinds of things. So you have to be prepared for what may come up. And that's Absolutely. where that, that empathy really comes in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that uh, your own ability to be centered and not get uh, attached to what you're hearing back so that you can offer perspective so that you can offer support. Cause if I'm getting in there with you, then I'm not able to be empathetic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, and then you mentioned earlier intuition. Mm-hmm. How does that play into leadership? <laughs> I almost want to say, how does it not? Right. Does it not? Uh, you know, I mean, um, it's, it's really interesting because there's a lot of new research, new science that is uh, showing us how much of our decision process is intuitive 
even though we don't know it. And, and every once in a while, I'll run up across an audience member or, you know, somebody that I'm working with who doesn't believe that intuition is real. And I, I'm just here to reassure your audience, it's not only real, it's making 90 to 95% of your decisions sure. and you don't even know it. So um, it's major decisions. I mean, we make what, like 35,000 decisions a day, mm-hmm. right? And the big decisions, not whether to brush your teeth or not, but <laughs> whether to hire the new person, right? Um, those decisions are actually made 10 seconds before we consciously recognize that we've made them. Mm-hmm. And that's all happening with our intuition, which is knowing without knowing how we know, right? Yeah. It's, it's the immediate leap to understanding. And so, so that intuitive decision-making is something that if we can leverage it, if we understand how to tap it, mm-hmm. how to recognize it when we hear it, and I'll, I'll share that in a minute, and then um, how to create it on demand, our decision process just leaps forward so much faster, so much more accurate, and so much more reliably that it frees up leaders to be able to do a lot more, a lot faster. Nice. Um, and it is the decision-making is the number one skill for leadership, mm-hmm. um, according to Oxford University recent study. So well, that's where a lot of, yeah, leaders, I guess, drop the ball, not being able to make mm-hmm. decisions or taking too long to make decisions or weighing too much or, oh, I need to get 100% of the information before I make the decision. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to listen to that little voice inside that or the gut feeling, yeah. right? That's telling you this probably yeah. isn't the best thing to do. Yeah, and the, the, uh, here's here's my tip for the day: the way to recognize intuition. Because a lot of people are like, "Well, I don't know if it's intuition or if it's just my ego or what's going on here." The voice of intuition, we all have it, mm-hmm. has no emotion attached to it. It's directive. Mm-hmm. It says, "Go here, do this, say this, be this way." Right, and our ego either gets excited about what the intuition is telling us or gets really scared about what the intuition is telling us. Like, oh no, I couldn't possibly do that. But that's the ego. The intuition just says, do this. It's really fascinating. Uh, You know, I mean, Steve Jobs was very famous for being a huge proponent of intuition. I think he's the one that said intuition is the only thing. Nice. Very cool. So just listening to that and listening for the emotion, if there's emotion in it, then it's probably yeah. ego or something like that. Yeah. And intuition is the seat of empathy, wisdom, creativity, innovation. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's all these really empowering um, attributes that nice. leaders need. Yeah, absolutely need. So uh, as far as courage, what type of courage do you think is most important for a leader? Uh, I I think it does depend on the type of leadership, but it is the willingness to lean in to growth, um, which is change, which is forward motion, um, and and to do it from a place of internal strength and centeredness uh, rather than um, who I'm going to please and um, how fast it's going to happen. Hmm. Very cool. So uh, I'm, I'm assuming you have a team that you work with. I do. Right. I do. So if I was to bump into anybody on your team and ask them what type of leader (laughs) you are, 
What do you think they tell me? What type of leader are you? They, they would say something very different than they would have 30 years ago. I'll tell you that. Uh, so, um, today, if you bumped into them, I think that they would say that I am um, uh, outside the box um, and uh, extremely passionate and energetic. Nice. Very cool. And tell me about your book. You, you're, well, you have two books. Your first book is what? Uh, Truth and Dare. Inside Out Marketing, nice. sort of a treatise on on the the reason we market. Um, not for everybody, but um, very important for me. Um, and then the most recent one, which I'm um, very very excited about, uh, it's been really well critically received. Is um, Own Your Own Shift. Nice. Tell me about and, that. What was that process like? Well, you know, the, the process was really looking at my process and testing it against the process of my clients and the, and the folks that I work with. Um, and it's, it's really a, a universal process for making change. And it doesn't matter if you're trying to lose weight or you're getting a new home or you're going on a vacation or you're looking for the love of your life or you're starting a new business. The process is the same. It's just that if it's an easy change for us and you know what's easy for me may not be easy for you and vice right. versa we don't really give it a lot of thought and if it's a difficult change for us to make which is really where our growth is mm -hmm. then we can flounder because we don't understand the process so this is your roadmap for making those uh challenging changes and doing it uh, with a lot of stories uh, from myself, from my clients, and a lot of um, uh, pitfalls described so you can avoid them. Nice. Do you have one you want to share? Something that comes to mind? Well, you know, let's just take the intuition, for example. Um, it's not the first stage in the process, but very quickly, we need to tap in to what's going on inside of us and really learn to trust that voice of intuition. If we're going to make change, it needs to be from the inside out, not what somebody else is mandating is should be our change if we want satisfaction, which is nice. the deepest form of success. Yeah. Very cool. Good stuff. Um, so if you had to do it all again, would you follow the same route? Would you go into marketing to start off or... Would, would you continue with your uh, your desire to be an animator at Disney? <laughs> you know, uh, the animator at Disney, I'm good. That didn't happen. I'm fine. Um, I, I will say, uh, I, I don't know how I could do what I do without having done what I did. And the, the learning uh, on myself <laughs> mm -hmm. um, has been invaluable. Uh, it also has brought me to my first best love, which is uh, writing. Uh, I have a rather robust blog, and I absolutely love it. And I'm writing for several publications, Thrive Global, Brains Magazine, a lot of uh, work like that, and awesome. writing my next book as well, which is, um, I know it's going to shock you on intuition. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I, I feel like the ability to bring content, insight, uh, my curiosity and my creativity, uh, the way I am now, I, I wouldn't change a thing. Nice. So what's next? You say you've got your, your next book already in the works. Um, 
And you do a lot of uh, public speaking. You do a lot of like keynote mm-hmm. speaking and stuff. Absolutely. Well, if anybody's listening, I really would love to do a TED talk. How uh, <laughs> do you put it out there? Right? I put it out there, right? Uh, but but really working on, on my book is uh, my passion project. And I'm just really, I, I love every one of my clients. They light me up, they inspire me, and I just uh, I get such a kick out of it. Yeah. Has a pandemic slowed you down at all? Uh, no, it's accelerated. Uh, I, I actually, um, I, my business tripled during the wow. pandemic. Wow. Is that because people have more time to kind of reflect on things? <laughs> I, I'll be honest. I'm not sure. I, I, here's what I believe now that I have no, I have no data. This is my intuition talking right. here, there you go. but, uh, but what I really believe has happened and, and I think it's probably bearing out for a lot of coaches that are in that executive leadership kind of area, maybe even live coaches too, but mm-hmm. is that um, people are reinventing themselves as a result yeah. uh, of the pandemic. And a lot of people, I mean, small business is growing faster than it's ever grown before. Mm-hmm. So I think that that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think this gave people, uh, a lot of people, an opportunity to look and say, do I really want to continue doing this mm-hmm. for the next, you know, 15, 20 years, or do Absolutely. I want to go out on my own and, and do my own thing? So yeah, Absolutely. That's good. Yeah. And I hope so, they do. I hope people do. I hope, you know, because we need entrepreneurs. Like I said, that's what drives our economy. That's what drives the country. Absolutely. Yeah. It, without, without that, we would, we would not be thriving. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We would probably not be talking right now if that was the case. I know. And that would be such a loss. <laughs> it would be a loss. All right. Well, this has been awesome. And I love the, the whole thing you. about intuition. Can't wait for the book. Do you have a, a working title, the new book? I do. Inside Out, Smart. Nice. So Inside Out, Smart. Look Very for cool. that. I will. When does that do? Uh, that is due next February. Okay. So hold me to that. I will. And we'll have you back on and talk about your book. That'd be awesome. I would love it. Very cool. All right. If people want to get in touch with you, mm-hmm. where can they find you? What's your website? Uh, my website is unstoppable-leader.com. Cool. And I invite you to check out all the fun stuff. There's a lot of free tools there for folks that are just starting to explore how they can grow. Nice. And any speaking engagements coming up? Well, I have one next week, uh, but it's it's local. Well, it's virtual, so they could they could come um, for the um, Metro Atlanta Business Association. We're going to talk nice. about how to grow your visibility. So that'll Excellent. be great. Yeah. Excellent. Very cool. Mm-hmm. All right, and I'm sure they can follow you on on LinkedIn. Absolutely. All my all my social is on my website, so we'll make it easier for folks there. Okay. Perfect. We'll do. Well, I'll make sure all of those links are in the show notes. I'll put a link to your book, Own Your Own mm-hmm. Shift, which is available now on amazon.com. Absolutely. Uh, Stacy. thank you so much for coming. Appreciate thank you. It. It's been a pleasure. It has been fun. All right, listeners, hope you guys were taking notes. Make sure you check out Stacey's website at unstoppable-leader.com, right? And check out her book, Own Your Own Shift, available at Amazon. And if you like this episode, make sure you share it with your family, friends, and colleagues and stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me. Coach Harlan saying so long for now. 